cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup It is Wednesday, May 13 Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup An AFL podcast My name is Will Anderson And my name is Charlie Clawson And uh, what is going on? I hear that teams are getting fined for training and the games are coming back and there's just lots and lots of talk that I have no interest in. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was going to ask you this. What's your level of interest in that? Because I've been trying Uh, to dip my toe back in in the knowledge that it is coming back. But so far, mostly it's just like arguments over training and who's training with who and if they're training in the right way. And then there's debates over whether people can leave states and I don't know, it's, it's a giant mess and I can't do I can't do anything to sort out that mess, Charlie. So I'm not going to get myself involved in the mess until other people sort it out. All I know is Kane Corns is shooting with Tex Walker and who cares? (laughs) That's my vibe. I'll tell you, look, the one thing I have been tuning into is, um, uh, a couple of the the non-topical footy podcasts, you know, the ones where they get on like coaches and stuff like that to just talk about the good old days. And uh, I guess because we're coming up to the 10-year anniversary of the drawn grand final, I've listened to two separate podcasts, one with uh, Brendan Goddard and one with Stephen Milne and Steve Baker where they talk about those years. And it has been harrowing <laughs> to listen to again as a Saints fan, just to sort of hear like how confident those guys were about, you know, you forgetting that, 2009 season like we only lost two games for the year and we smashed everyone through the finals and in that first quarter against Geelong we had like 35 entries to four or something like that we're absolutely dominating and we still lost it was listening to it was like we're never going to win a flag we are if we were that close and we had all that going for us and we still couldn't win one we're miles away from that right now it's never going to happen what does it say about your psyche in a time when you could reasonably step away and relax, that there is actually no possible way of the Saints disappointing you at the moment. You don't need mm. to put yourself on that emotional roller coaster. And yet, in this time when you should be mindful and peaceful, you have gone back to the darkest time to relive <laughs> those days so that the Saints can, you can feel that disappointment hole in your soul that is the St Kilda Football Club even in this season when they're not playing. What does that say about you, Charlie? Well, I, they, that, they, they aren't the focus of both those interviews were, were not about those grand finals. It's just they're talking to players from that era and so it would come up. But because I was talking to uh, Chambo from Junk Time and he's, uh, they're doing uh, these commentaries at the moment. They're very funny. They'll get like Scott Dooley came on and, um, you know, they did the, I think it was the 1990 grand final. And so they're getting guests on to, you know, watch quarters of games that they enjoy. And so Michael asked me to do it. And I was like, yeah, sure. And we talked about a few different games. At one stage, we are going to do the 94, um, the game in 94 at the SCG where Plugger kicked 10 broke Peter Caven's nose. We were 50 points down at three-quarter time. We came back and won, and, you know, Plug has given the bird to all the old people behind the goals in Sydney. And then, so we decided we we're going to do that. And I was like, oh, that'd be fun to watch. I haven't seen that in ages. And then Michael came back to me and said, actually, why don't we watch the last quarter of the 2010, the drawn grand final? <laughs> 
He's like, would you be okay to do that? And I was like, ah, oh, I mean, not really, but okay. And so, you know, dipping my toe into that world. I, haven't, I still haven't watched it yet in preparation for this podcast. But just listening to that, it's like... I, I have not watched any of the losing grand final. No, that's not true. I've seen the 97 grand final. That's the only one I've watched in full just to see. But the, the 2009 and 2010 ones, I mean, it's been a decade, Will, over a decade for 2009. And I still feel sick in my stomach when I think about it. And I'm a supporter. I had absolutely nothing to do with the, the possibility of a, of a win or a loss in that scenario. But I feel like... I lost something. Well, I think that what these times are actually showing us, that that is not true. That football without crowds is not the football that we love. And I, I hope that when the players go back, there's going to be a greater appreciation of the crowds and what the mm. role of the supporter and the crowd is. I mean, these clubs that are still on their feet because a whole bunch of people decided to keep their memberships and a whole bunch of people decided to stay loyal to those clubs. So I think that, you undervalue it when you say you had nothing to do with it because of course you had something to do with it without you believing in it it has no reason to exist in the first place what we've been reminded of more than anything at these times is that it's a fucking game and the only reason it gets to be important is by general agreement by a heap of people that we all think it's important but what we Mm. realize in times like this is it isn't actually fucking important It's only important because we all agree that it's important. And so the role, I hope that this really changes a bit that relationship and dynamic between player and supporter again. And we realize that the umpires, it's one of the things that I've always said about umpires. I'm just not one of those people who hates umpires because I think, Mm. how do we play the game without umpires? You know, Mm. we get the umpires and they have this game that is completely impossible to referee and they do their best. We should celebrate the fact that they get it right as often as they get it right rather than when they get it wrong. And I think that when we go back, we're going to appreciate the pie seller and the boot stutter, if you will, and everybody who was involved in making the game happen. I think, yeah, you definitely realise that connection to grassroots because, you know, even with... um, uh, St Kilda's copped a bit of criticism from supporters in the last couple of months because they've done a big pledge drive. Obviously, you know, we're massively in debt and there's costs that need to be covered. And so they did a, a pledge drive last week. I donated. I was happy to donate. But I can understand um, this kind of blowback from people who are like, well, how much more do we have to give? You know, I've paid my membership. I've paid to see games for how many years? You know, you get to this situation and I have to give again. And maybe if you were like Hawthorne or West Coast or Collingwood, you'd be like, well, you know what? You've given me all these years of pleasure. But what have I got? (laughs) You've got to hold up your end of the bargain too, you know? Like I'm happy to support and I have been doing it for most of my uh, adult life, but... Need, you know, need a little something to come back my way. Well, you know, don't leave Charlie out in the cold. Let me wet my beak a little. Well, and yes, and you're investing in the hope that at some stage that team will repay you, repay you on the field, aren't you? That's what you're yeah, really and, doing. Yeah, and, and I'm also, of all the supporters, like regular supporters, I'm actually in a pretty good position because, you know, the club has invited me in to, you know, be part of the, the, the club in a certain way, just in an ambassador role. So, you know, it's not like... Um, you know, I just give my money away and I get nothing in return. I have had great memories and I am now sort of involved with the club on a very, very minor level. But still, win some games. <laughs> Bring home some silverware. Focus on that. <laughs> in their defence, 
They haven't been playing any games. So it's been tough <laughs> to get a W in this time when you're not playing games at all. So, um, But I feel a bit like a parent whose like, kid has come asking for like pocket money a- again. And it's like, well, what about like, I just gave you your allowance a few days ago. I know, but you know, I'm $10 million in debt, dad. <laughs> <Make the payments. laughs> it's like... But I just gave you money. Like, where's it gone? I don't understand. <laughs> well, I went and lived in Seaford for a while. Remember when I lived in Seaford? <laughs> anyway. Um, look, uh, so I haven't been keeping much in uh, up-to-date in current events, but we have got a pretty full mailbag. So do you want to get to that? Absolutely. Let's not talk about football until there's football to talk about. That's what I would yeah. say. Okay, so this is from Daniel. Uh, hey, guys. I hope you're both keeping safe and well. After hearing you'd had mail from an American footy fan, <laughs> an American <laughs> footy fan that we have read the same letter three times on our three different podcasts, <laughs> I thought you might like to hear from one from England. Uh, my girlfriend's brother lives in Melbourne. I was lucky enough to spend a month there in 2016. We came over on the weekend of the league opener. I had absolutely no prior knowledge of the sport before coming over and was really taken aback at how footy is absolutely everywhere over there. As an Englishman who loves football or soccer, as you may know it, Aussie rules by stereotype is thought of as being a cross between rugby and football where everyone beats each other up for the duration of the game. NFL firmly has the foreign sport niche locked down here, so that stereotype was literally all I had to go by. NFL firmly... NRL? Maybe means NRL. No, NFL. He's talking about American football in England. So in England, when you're talking about foreign sports, the NFL. I think that's what he's saying, right? I guess so. After watching Richmond v. Carlton and some other round one games, I was hooked. Now, without any idea of how good or bad any team was, I blindly picked a team to follow. My girlfriend's brother lives in St. Kilda, so the Saints it was. I even got to a game before heading home. And here's the really shocking part. I actually saw them win. In a round three game against Collingwood. You and I were at that game. I remember that. Uh, The Saints narrowly missed the top eight that year and it's been all downhill ever since. Nevertheless, I've stuck by the Saints through thin and thinner. (laughs) The The AFL isn't readily available on TV over here and so I have an AFL live subscription to keep on top of everything. It's just a shame most St Kilda games are on at about 2am British time. Yeah, we've got that coveted Sunday afternoon time so all locked up. Uh, hoping to come back to Australia in 2021 to catch a few Saints games whilst I'm there. Stay safe, guys. Dan. Well, I'm sorry. I've got some bad news. We've closed the borders, <laughs> so there is no way you're coming back into the country. Um, uh, okay, well, here's what I would say is I do think there is an opportunity because it looks like the AFL is going to be back you know, before the big American sports are back. And in the, even in that first round they played, Australian football got a lot of attention in the US in particular, but if it got a lot of attention in the UK and if it got a lot of attention in the US, I think people, it is a sport that without, we'll notice the crowd's not there, but I think yeah. that overseas viewers will be so enamored by the skill set of the sport itself that they probably won't miss the crowds as much, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think his Daniel's impression of um, Aussie rules or maybe England's impression of Aussie rules just being this like slugfest dates back to that Battle of Britain between Carlton and uh, North Melbourne in the late 80s. What was it? Was it called the Battle of Britain or the, what was it called? The slugfest, the exhibition game where Clarko just went around sniping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what gave them the idea that it's a game where everybody just punches everyone when the number one coach in the history of the game went over to England <laughs> to play in an exhibition match and just went around punching everybody. 
Oh, yeah, that guy, he's the most revered figure in the entire sport. Redefined everything about it. What, the guy who punched everybody? Yep, that's him. Punchy McPunch is our number one guy. And who was the uh, most revered coach prior to him? Well, a guy called Lee Matthews. What did he do? Well, when he was a player, (laughs) he once got arrested for breaking someone's draw on the field. He often went around and just punched people for no reason. Once ran into a goalpost and the post fell over. (laughs) Uh, Next letter here is from Ben. Hey, Will and Charlie, uh, I've recently learnt that Ben Cousins was almost drafted to St Kilda in 2009 after serving his 12-month suspension from the game. According to Ross Lyon, he and the club's president voted against recruiting Cousins, which put a stop to it going ahead. I can understand why they chose against recruiting, recruiting Cousins, but I can't help but feel that having him in the field could have made all the difference in the 2009 Grand Final. Is there an alternate universe we can rewatch this game with Cousins playing for the Saints? I'm very curious on Charlie's thoughts. Could Ross the boss have prevented his lo- this loss? Could this drafting decision have been the difference between a win and a two-goal loss or a draw as it happened in 2010? Keep up the good work, guys, and please let a big, a bad Mark Lecrae Please get, and, and please bring back Mark Lacroix for the occasional guest spot. Cheers. Um, all right. Yeah, that interview, again, I, I pump it up every time, but uh, 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 Purple and uh, Ross Lyons' podcast, The Coach or Coach, is brilliant. Just great hearing Ross Lyon untethered, just talking off the cuff. He's funny. He's actually really, really funny. Um, he did talk about the whole Ben Cousins thing, and he was saying in the interview that – uh, all the players like Rui and Lenny Hayes, they were really excited about getting, getting Ben Cousins down there. And then when they made the decision not to draft him and he told the players, he said they got a bit sulky. And he was like, if you guys are relying on a 31-year-old dude with this guy's history to come and win you a flag, then you're not as good as I thought you were. You should really be looking to each other to step up rather than going to someone like him to get you across the line. And I don't think that Ben Cousins would have been the difference. I mean, did he make that big an impact at Richmond when he played for them that year? No, I don't think that. I mean, look, it would have been great if something happened in Ben Cousins' life that stopped Ben Cousins' life from being what Ben Cousins' life is now. Who was the president at St Kilda at that time? Uh, Westaway, I believe. Yeah, because uh, what was the other fella who uh, turns out was it there? Yeah, uh, Butters. Butters. He would have been wrapped to have Ben uh, Cousins. Uh, Butters. <laughs> he would have got in there in a, in a flash. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I think that St Kilda tried to do that with Andrew Lovett. That didn't work out. Uh, I think the same thing could be applied to Ben Cousins if we'd drafted him instead it would have been a disaster I mean clearly the guy has uh, issues that are far beyond anyone's ability to to stem and control yeah no I don't think he would have been the difference Uh, Andrew writes in good afternoon gentlemen I do listen to your podcast and I enjoy it greatly and he's put an asterisk next to that so we'll get to what he really means by greatly at the end of this letter obviously things are a bit weird right now Actually, they're just downright crazy. As someone who seems to spend his life chasing after players, strapping and massaging and keeping the physios in line, all of this is an embodiment of Munch's The Scream. I have a bit of a foot in both camps. Uh, As the Doggies have always been my second club, thanks to my mother and grandfather, it's quite strange that quite a few ex-Saints stars seem to drift over to the Bulldogs. Bainesy, Kingy, Bevo, Physios, Belly and Sarah, just to name a few, but I digress. Your podcast brings me a hearty laugh and some sanity. Thanks for your efforts. And I would like to, and I would like it to be known that I do indeed wash my own socks. Play on, not fifteen. Andrew Waddington, proud member 
and head trainer at the St Kilda Football oh. Club. How about wow. that, Will? We got an official. I mean, this is exciting. I am uh, very, I'm very excited about this news, Charlie, because I did put out the call. If anyone connected to the AFL industry or listened to the podcast and wanted to identify themselves, I am uh, proud that we have somebody on the inside, but also on the inside at St Kilda. And I've got to say, from the tone of his letter, making a play to go over to the Bulldogs. That's what I was hearing. <laughs> it really like sounded it, like it? he wanted to get, kind of catch up with all these great mates who he used to work with down at the Saints. And uh, got to be honest, we're $10 million in debt and the Bulldogs aren't in debt anymore. And i got to be honest, it just seems more like, could I come to the Bulldogs is basically what I'm saying. Will, do you know anyone? <laughs> uh, so he said, I do listen to your podcast, enjoy it greatly, Asterix. And then the Asterix on the bottom is, except for the go back to Seaford part, that seriously hurt my sensitive soul. I mean, that is one of the things that's come out in these interviews with BJ and, and Milne and, and Bakes and stuff is just like what a disaster Seaford was. And that was right in our premiership window. I think that was more of a decisive issue than Ben Cousins. If we had not moved to Seaford, I think that we would have probably been able to attract a higher caliber of player to come, you know, top up our list. But just Seaford, man, what a disaster. I mean, here's what I would say is maybe that's what Ben Cousins needed, though. Ben Cousins needed Seaford. He needed to go to a place where there wasn't yeah. the temptations, the temptations of the big city, you know. Like, he would, have become, he would have become addicted to footlongs at the local subway, which was his only option. Yeah. Are you telling me that uh, someone who has a severe drug problem would be best served by moving to a place that is next door to Frankston? <laughs> All right. I don't see your logic, but uh, Anthony writes in. Hi, Will and Charlie. I just wanted to ask you guys about the events that happened between quarters. Throughout the 2019 season, GWS held a competition at quarter time in which a Giants fan was pulled from the stands, given a 30-meter head start, and then competed in a foot race against the Sting, an anonymous athlete clad in a red bodysuit and a black cape who would emerge from the stands like a pro wrestler. I know I was supposed to cheer for my fellow GWS supporters, but the elegant form running, uh, but the elegant form running of the Sting, almost certainly one of the Giants' needful players, pursuing and passing the often out of shape and pie laden fan was just too riveting, and I quickly found myself cheering for the Sting as it hot dogged across the finish line with uh, with high knees and a twenty plus meters to spare. Are there any other great quarter time activities you've seen at games during your time in footy, as footy fans? As a Sydney footy fan, I can only get to see the ones like the above that the Giants put on and the Swans fans singing Sweet Caroline for whatever reason they do that. Keep up the great pod. Thanks to countless hours of laughs. Um, I've seen a version of that sting. I think it was at an Essendon game. Um, I think it was a comedian actually because he put it on his Twitter and he uh, gets like a you know 40 meter head start on the, the Bombers mascot. And then the mascot just like overtakes him. And the dude trips to the finish line, pops his hamstring and then has to be helped from the field. And it's like, yeah, we should do more of that. That's what I like to see. There is a, also another great video that went viral last year. I think it was from an NRL game where they, um, they pop a high ball and you've got to run out and catch it. I think I've showed this to you. There was like four different angles of this dude just catching it with his face. Like proper falcon. Brilliant. Um, here's what I would like to know about the sting, because I love this story behind this, which is the idea that it is one of the Neeful players. Now, <laughs> I, I think this is amazing. So tell me this, Charlie. Where does the role of the sting? So if you're a young Neeful player on the GWS list, is the sting the punishment to the worst person at training? Or is there an element of the sting being a prestigious 
you know, you're you're masked, but you're almost there. So is there a chance that the best player in the NEFL is is going on to be the Sting the next week? Is it is it prestigious or is it looked down upon? <laughs> Absolutely zero chance. You're putting your best NEFL player in the Sting suit and having potentially like run into a goalpost or <laughs> rip his hamstring or twist an ankle. Like it is definitely your dad. Like it's the guy who I mean, I doubt it's even an EFL listed player. There was a rumor back in the day. I don't know if you followed the NBL very much, but back in the early 90s when Andrew Gaze and Leonard Copeland dominated um, uh, the Melbourne Tigers, there was a guy in their seconds called Brett Rainbow. And Brett Rainbow would only be trotted out for slam dunk comps because that's all he could do. He couldn't really play that well, but boy, could he dunk. And then after a while, you just wouldn't see Brett Rainbow, but you'd go to games and then you'd see the Melbourne Tiger doing these amazing dunks. And me and my friend deduce from watching the Tiger's form flying through the air and the kind of dunks he's doing, I think that was Brett Rainbow in the, in the Tiger suit. Yeah, he'd been demoted to Tiger. The good news is you're still on the list. The bad news is we've found a different role for you. So is there a chance that somebody gets dropped? Like, it's like, dude... Oh, are, you been- saying it's, are you saying it's Brett, it's Brett Deledio? <laughs> I mean, he'd be a great sting. I mean, his hammies. If the sting does a hammy in the first <laughs> 20 or 30 metres of the race, you're like, it's Brett Delidio. So do you think it's an independent sting? Are you saying that they've outsourced the sting yeah. and it's like a professional runner or something? Or, or whatever their needful, like, I don't know how it works for GWS. They're, the club they're aligned with, it's the guy who's in the two. It's someone very low in the club they're aligned with, like the twos of their supplementary. But it's list. not a fat guy. It's not like a sports bet ad. It, this is actually no, still from the still way it's described, a, 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 like a very good athlete. So they've got to have some level of competence. Well, that's a good point, actually. He did bring up he had excellent yeah. form. So maybe it's unrelated to football. Or maybe it's, you know what it's probably is. You know how AFL clubs are fond of getting project players? They'll draft in just some athlete and then hopefully they can teach him the skills of the game. I reckon they've just got one of those, you know, he's uh, someone who's converted from athletics or sprinting or whatever. And they're like, you want to play for GWS? <laughs> Bring out the Sting costume. Well, would not it be an amazing thing? Now, this, I mean, we're talking about ways to get people back to the football and amuse them in new, in different ways. What about at halftime? Like, they do the halftime sort of sprint. Yeah, the Sting's type operation. But it's not a masked identity. It's one of the players who are playing in the game. So you put some money on the line. You put, like, it's $10,000 if we give you a 30-metre head start on, like, Mason Cox. And then you've just got to see if you can beat Mason Cox. Are you not telling me more people wouldn't go to the game to see a guy run against Mason Cox? 100%. Definitely do that. I mean, the good thing about uh, Mason Cox, though, is even if you did put him in a costume, you'd know exactly (laughs) what it was because suddenly the Magby mascot's seven foot. I don't know why the Sting's five foot four, but I'm pretty sure it's Caleb Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matthew writes in, hey, guys. Uh, Okay, he's... Subject line is annoyed but still loyal. And he says, as the title states, I'm annoyed but still loyal. I've been a listener for what seems like years. I love the pod and I believe this is two years ago when you finally mentioned on the pod stating that Rory Lobb looked exactly like Marty McFly. Whilst listening, I was waiting for my mention on the pod, yet it never came. And having provided the material two years prior, I will expect an on-air apology tweet below hashtag sockgate hashtag richmondy love the pod keep them coming so he's just uh, sent us a tweet that he sent to our uh, twitter account saying is rory lobb george mcfly he wants an apology will would you like to draft that uh what's his name matthew matthew uh firstly get stuff <laughs> um 
Look, okay, I apologise. Why not? I don't care. Why why would I not apologise? I'm sorry, Matthew, that we have been trawling your internet feed for material for this program. Thank you for all your other contributions to this show as well. Um, No, look, I mean... You know what you should do? You should apologise in the style of an AFL player who has been caught doing the wrong thing. Okay, great. Firstly, I'd like to uh, apologise to the sponsors of the club. Uh, who I've put in a pretty precarious position, uh, to all my teammates, to the fellas, um, um, particularly sorry to you guys, uh, to the coach and the supporters, the people I've let down. Now, to the particular individual that I have offended um, in this instance, if I, I did not mean to cause any offence, if I have caused you any offence, for any offence you might have taken from my action, then I un- unreservedly apologise for that offence you took that no one else took. <laughs> The end. Uh, this is from Shane and Tash. Hey, guys. I thought you might appreciate the poem I wrote to the tune of Teddy Bear's Picnic back when the Bulldogs repaid Will and possibly a few others for years of anguish. I'm a Lions man, but like many, I got swept up in all of it. Love the pod. Cheers. Shane from Briz Vegas. Okay. <clears throat> it's called A Bulldog's Picnic. If you go down to the G today, you're in for a big surprise. <laughs> if you go down to the G today, you best not eat the pies. For every dog that ever was, uh, for every dog that ever was, is bounding out to the footy because today's the day the Bulldogs win their premiership. <laughs> um, and how does it go after? Because all right, finals time for Footscray has been so long away that many have never seen the day. Despite all of their injuries, it's determined doggies have scraped their way to fame. <laughs> it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> 2.30, it will all begin, and Bont will lead the fray, because they're steely dogs from the West, because they're brave, bold men with a premiership. <laughs> he gave up on the rhyming just halfway through. It's a bit like Clawson and Awesome. Did he, uh, did he give up, or did you give up? I think... I gave up, because I don't know how Teddy Bear's Picnic goes in the did. second and third verse. I, just knew, I assume it goes the same as the first verse. No, you'd think that, but the but it, the way he's written the verses, they're much shorter. The second and third are much shorter, so I'm assuming there's some kind of like tempo change. We all, anyway, it's that much forgotten second verse of Teddy Bear's Picnic. <laughs> that's from Shane, aged 40. <laughs> Do you think, he said he was a, a Lion supporter, right? He's written, he's written yeah. that for the Brisbane Bears back in the day and they've never won the premiership and he's just rebadged it for the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, this is Al. Uh, g'day, Will and Charlie. Al from England here again. Uh, thanks for reading my email on the previous show. Oh, that's right. So I've got to do the proper voice. Hello. G'day, Will and Charlie. It's Al from England here again. <laughs> thanks for reading my email on a previous show regarding but not needing fan segregation in the AFL. But Charlie, not everyone from England is a Mary Poppins Cockney. Do- oh, he's <laughs> got his nail me. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Not everyone from England is a Mary Poppins Cockney chimney sweep. I'm born and bred in Liverpool. So please, can you continue reading this in a terrible Beatles accent? Okay, all right. I've got to do the Tony Martin thing where it's like, uh, John's down here. Paul's up here. John's down here. So Hollywood can come. <laughs> so Hollywood comes to you boys to write. <laughs> is that Liverpool? Hang on. Thomas the Tank Engine. How do you do Liverpool? So Hollywood can't... <laughs> It's the dumbest thing we've ever done. Hang on. Uh, uh, John's done here. So Hollywood comes to you boys to write an AFL movie, and it must be based on the true story. They want Oscars. They want Oscars, not an Adam Sandler comedy. 
<laughs> with AFL, I sound more like Winston Churchill. <laughs> with, with AFL largely unknown outside of Australia, <laughs> what's the story in footy history you need to choose to tell? Do you base your story on team or individual? This is Irish guy. When did this Irish guy come in? Oh, you do a Liverpool in accent. Have you ever cracked? I can't do any accents. It's a comeback story or a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Would love to hear what you've come up with. This all AFL to the rest of the world. All right. So what? Um, I think we've we look. Al, you're new to the podcast. We've discussed this many times. The story you would tell is the James Heard story, starring uh, our very own Scott Dooley as James Heard. That. I mean, I'm 100% serious. Of all the stories that would make a fascinating miniseries or telemovie or, or, or Oscar-winning movie, that story. The, the, the golden child, the most beloved Essendon figure in recent memory, uh, and then his fall from grace and just the scandal surrounding it, the intrigue around... Like, if you listen to that BJ interview, like, you know, the idea that the AFL set Essendon up or, you know, told them that if they came clean that they, they wouldn't be made an example of and then the AFL backstabbed them, It's that's the story you want to say. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say, though. He said, not a popular, like, movie. This is an Oscar-winning movie that he wants. So I've got an idea. Yeah. I don't want to... Scott Dooley can do the telly movie. When we make the telly movie for okay. Australia... Scott Dooley plays James Hurd. But I'm talking, this is a, a touch to the Irishman, you know, the, the old hitman looking back at his life. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis mm-hmm. comes out of retirement uh, as a movie actor oh. uh, for his final role because he's so moved by this story because he was working as a cobbler in France and he ran into <laughs> this guy uh, in a chocolate shop who was selling chocolates in France and he got into a conversation about his life and he was so inspired by his life and it's called The Chocolatier and it's a look at a man who dedicated the last 40 years of his life to becoming the world's greatest chocolatier but it's revealed through this story when you look, you think you're looking at this story of this man looking back at his career of becoming the world's greatest chocolatier but it turns out that he before he became a chocolatier he was a uh, AFL star and then fallen AFL coach before he dedicated his life to the pursuit of making the perfect chocolate. And do you use the same unnerving de-aging tech that they used in the <laughs> Yeah, no, Daniel Day-Lewis is actually playing James Hurd in games <laughs> through de-aging technology. He actually lives as an AFL footballer for three years to get ready for the part. Does all the pre-season training. Shares a house with those two blokes from Frio who like to proxide their hair together and hang out all the time. <laughs> uh, okay, Nathan writes in, Hey guys, I just listened to the episode where you called out people working in the footy industry and thought I'd write in. Look, technically I don't, uh, I don't count anymore thanks to COVID-19 and losing my job, but I have worked at the Crows as a footy an- 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 analyst for the past six years or so. Oh... Well, and we've got an insider at the Crows, Will. We can finally get an answer to that uh, question. Did they hold each other's penises? Well, at a camp. Let's point that on the record, not just in, in general. But yes, <laughs> in general. Uh, was there a camp incident where they had to hold each other's penises? You don't work there anymore. I, I'm sure that you had to sign some sort of confidentiality agreement, but just, just thumbs up or thumbs down. That's all we need. Just send us a little after we read this out. Send us a thumbs up or thumbs down. I've also been an avid listener of all your pods, even being a guest on TOEFOP 150. I've listened to Two Guys, One Cup since its inception. While I may not exactly be 
be what you're after. Working in a coach's box for games is pretty close. I love your work and look forward to many more hours of laughs. Cheers, Nathan. Well, that's good. Let's just um, you know reiterate, if there's any more professionals out there, you don't have to give your real name. We'll keep you anonymous, but please get in contact. We like we like a bit of inside goss at footy clubs, don't we? I like the idea. You, know, you don't really ever think about the idea of the analyst sitting in the box with the coach. What an amazing way to view a game of AFL football that must be. Jesse writes in, Hey, Charlie and Will, I love the pod. While I ponder about how well my Western Bulldogs would have gone this year in the AFL competition if COVID-19 didn't happen, I've been busy listening to and enjoying the many podcasts you two deliver on a consistent basis. That's, and that's a good way to describe us. We're consistent, aren't we? We're, 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 your, we're your engine room kind of, um, what do you call it? Hard, not inside midfielders. We're not flashy, but we're just in there reliable. We, get, we give you a reliable 22 touches a week. Just dish it out to more skilled people. <laughs> anyway, uh, a name in the AFL word, world that I can't stand hearing is that little twerp, Kane Corns, as he is next level irritating. With that being said, could you boys suggest maybe a player, past or present, from each team that is or was a downright twerp or possesses twerp-like characteristics, e.g. Oh, Toby Green with the Giants or Hayden Ballantyne with the Dockers, etc. Looking forward to hearing from you and wish you all the very best. That's a good one. All right, so should we just go through the list and think of the first twerp that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, past or present, so we'll make it easier because yeah. when it gets to Gold Coast... <laughs> I mean, we'd be lucky to name a player we like, a dislike, let alone one we like. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to go off the ladder. So this may not be alphabetical. Okie dokie. All right. Let's start with Port. Who's the biggest twerp? Cane Corns. Done. Easy. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a bigger twerp at Port Adelaide than Kane? Like, uh, I mean, I think Port Adelaide has a proud tradition of twerps. Like, they're one of those clubs when you say Port Adelaide that you're like, oh, I reckon there's a few players over the years that, you know, would probably in any other list be considered in the top five twerps of all time. But when it comes to Port Adelaide, like, you know, Kane Corns' twerpiness is just, it overshadows... Like it's almost unfair that he's counted in this competition because he's the he's the reason the competition exists. It's the Kane Corns perpetual trophy, yeah. <laughs> and at Port Adelaide, it's won every year by Kane Corns. Well, who's a second twerp from Port? Um, Chad Corns, no. Warren Treadday. <laughs> I used to hate Warren Treadday. I know he's a great footballer, but he used to just yeah. bug me. Yeah, he was pretty twerpy. Tread like, like I mean, the thing about Treaders that would count in his twerpiness is that even his own teammates found him twerpy. Yeah. Uh, okay, Collingwood. Um, a Diddy or Tony Shaw for me? Twerps. Tony Shaw. Tony Shaw for me. Tony Shaw. Like, yeah, Tony Shaw is an A-grade twerp. Now, here's what I will say about Tony Shaw's twerpiness. On the field, very much in charge of his twerpiness. In his media career, not as calculated as Kane Corns in his twerpiness. Just sometimes almost accidentally twerpy. That's what I would say about uh, Tony Shaw is like a lot of the time things he says are definitely fall into the twerpy category, but you think he's stumbled onto the idea rather than created it for that artificial cane corns media boost. Uh, okay. Eagles. Oh, I'm going to have to reach back. I mean, it's hard. I, I, I mean, there was that era of, you know, the Ben Cousins era where you think there'd be just heaps of twerps, but none leap out. My mind immediately goes back further to Peter Sumich and Carl Langdon. To me, they were the twerps. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's hard to go past Carl Langdon. Yeah. Carl Langdon has been a twerp on the field <laughs> and very twerpy in his media career. In fact, I would suggest 
that Kane Corns is your next evolution of your Carl Langdon. Yes. Carl Langdon's been trying to do, and Brad Hardy to a certain degree, um, you know, they, they've been trying to, you know, fit into that outsider media voice kind of talking about the other states. And I think that, you know, Carl Langdon paved the way for, for Kane Corns. Uh, Hawks. James Sicily, easily modern twerp. Um, He's your modern twerp. Sam Mitchell's pretty twerpy. Well, no, but I like Sam. He's such a good footballer. Um, what about, um, was Richie Vandenberg a bit of a twerp? Was he, their, was he their captain for a while? The one who started the line in the sand fight. Is it Vanderberg? Yeah, is that his that name? Yeah, was Vandenberg. Um, Not really a twerp. A bit forgettable. I mean, Sicily is pretty twerpy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it is kind of... He would be the AFL's, almost the AFL's biggest current day twerp. So <laughs> if we're going to look at modern day players, I think Sicily, you know, is right up there in the twerpish stakes. Uh, Giants twerp. I mean, it has to be Toby Green, right? Toby Green. But everyone kind of likes Toby Green. That's He's a different class of twerp. I think, I think you can like a twerp. I, I think you can like a twerp. Okay. Um, Richmond? It's a broad church. You can be accidentally twerpish like Tony Shaw. You can be sort of Tony, Toby Green, sort of, you know, roguishly twerpish. Yeah. And you can be Kane Corns, twerpish. <laughs> Just king of the twerps. Uh, Richmond. Oh, I mean, this is probably one of the all-time biggest twerps. Jake King. Mm. You know yeah, what? it's hard to go past Jake King, isn't it? <laughs> but you also don't want to mention it in case you send someone around to threaten, no. you, threaten your life. Yeah, no, it's hard to go past him, isn't it, Charlie, who said that? <laughs> I would personally say Matthew Richardson. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Essendon. Oh, I used to think Matthew Lloyd was a twerp, a big twerp. I just, you know, with the throwing of the grass and, you know, the playing for the free kicks. And even sometimes when I see him on Access All Areas on, on AFL.com, I'm like, you're a bit of a twerp, aren't you? He's got a bit of a sort of twerp prefect sort of yes. vibe about him, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, I think Lloyd is actually a great footy brain. And I think that probably most of what he says is actually really excellent football commentary and really insightful. And probably the same as a player. Like, most of what he did on the field was to be greatly admired. He was a fantastic player. But there's just kind of 10% twerpishness yeah. that very much you're like, you know, it is... It is soda water with a hint of passion fruit. I think one of the defining characteristics of a twerp is contrarian. And, Jay, uh, and Matty Lloyd is definitely a contrarian. Like the accepted yeah. wisdom is everyone loves whatever player and he will be the one to go, you know, his, uh, his possession numbers don't suggest he's as good as everyone thinks he is. All right, twerp, shut up. Yeah. He's your professional twerp though. He's your educated twerp. Yeah. Uh, he's your Alan Rickman uh, villain style twerp the elegant bad guy um, we'll have to rush through these next few ones because I've I forgot I've, I'm doing a virtual house inspection in six minutes <laughs> okay so okay, Sydney, Sw Sydney Swans twerp <sighs> oh Nick Davis would he have been the, the yeah. big, biggest twerp I mean they had a no dickhead policy for such a long time yeah no twerps yeah it's like the uh, TLC song I don't want no twerps <laughs> Anyway, we've got to rush through these. Okay. I don't know who it would be at this one. One of those guys we can't name. Dane Rampey? Is Dane, Dane Rampey, Rampey a twerp? Well, I don't know. We don't know, any, we don't know enough about As we know, all Swans players are interchangeable. So we can't possibly pick one as being a Warwick Kappa? Was Warwick Kappa a twerp? No, he was more. He wasn't quite a twerp, was he? No, they don't really have any antagonistic kind of small forwards or... It's hard to think of them being twerpish. Okay, um, North Melbourne, twerps. Alistair Clarkson, when he played for them, my God, as we uh, mentioned in the yeah. Battle of Britain... <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty twerpy. Uh, was he a twerp, though? Glenn Archer wasn't a twerp. He was tough. 
It's hard to think of like twerpish. Who was their guy? That, oh, you know, Nathan, um, who was the one, the, the backman who just who bumped Barry Hall when he was tying up his shoelace? Nathan Nick Martin. No, no, no. There's, is it Nathan Nathan Thompson? Remember the guy? Oh, Nathan Thompson. Yeah, is that Scott his name? Thompson. Nathan Thompson? Scott Nathan Thompson. Thompson. Nathan Thompson. Yeah, he's a twerp. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, St Kilda um, <laughs> Wayne Carey Wayne Carey's a twerp uh, Wayne Carey is definitely a twerp Stephen Milne is probably St Kilda's biggest twerp um, oh, Absolutely Milne, I'd say the modern doubt. equivalent of that he hasn't played enough games yet but he's on his way to being the modern twerp is Jack Loney small pocket similar kind of player yeah. you know very kind of uh, uh, um, mercurial but loves chat looks like a little chihuahua yeah. loves around just but chatting. Milne Milne A grade twerp okay. no doubt uh, Adelaide Crows Twerp. Oh, Andrew Jarman. He was a twerp. <laughs> he was. We all know it. Yeah, he's pr- he's probably your number one suspect for twerpishness, isn't he? Yeah. I They're can't... not nece- They don't have a huge history of twerps, the Adelaide Crows. But yeah, no, Andrew Jarman. I mean, do you reckon Tex Perkins could fit into twerp category? He loves to kind of chat, back chat a bit. Ah, oh, can like, but the but main I person I just he back chats is Kane Corns. Can a twerp actually? <laughs> Can a twerp be a twerp to a twerp? A hundred percent. It's like Godzilla okay. versus uh, uh, King Kong. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, Frio. Hayden Ballantyne. Easy. Twerp. Yep. King of the twerps. Uh, Carlton. I mean, seem to remember Scott Camparelli being a bit of a twerp. He was a tagger. He's always yeah. irritating. No? Um, Craig Bradley? Oh, what about Greg Williams? Was he a twerp? He's yeah, a twerp probably. in the media. Yeah, he was a working man's twerp. Uh, the Cats, twerp. Biggest twerp at Geelong. Ah, oh, Stevie Johnson. Yep, easy. <laughs> Stevie J, twerp. Uh, Brisbane Lions, Jason Akamanis, king of the twerps. Twerp. Oh, there's some good ones, actually. This is a pretty solid list now. If we were putting it together a team, you'd be pretty happy with these guys running on. If you were picking your all-star twerps. twerps. Like your all-Australian twerp team. It's actually a pretty good list. Melbourne. <sighs> twerp. Alan Jakovic. We need some forwards. Oh, yeah. Alan he was Jakovic. pretty twerpy. Yeah, does Christian Petrarca fit into that or not quite? He hasn't played long enough Yeah, yet, he's you know. modern day though. Yeah, modern, absolutely. Oh, I think doesn't... Um, what's his name? Bloodnut. Very good player. Oh, what's yeah. His name? Clayton Oliver. Yeah, he's, he's pretty twerpy. Uh, Bulldogs. Biggest twerp at the Bulldogs. Well, Jason Liberatore. <laughs> Oh, Jason Akamanis, yeah. No, yeah. Liver, right? Liver was a twerp, yeah, I guess. But he wasn't... Brad really, Hardy. Was he mouthy? Brad Hardy. Was Liver mouthy? He just scratched and gouged yes. and stuff, right? He was mouthy. No, I, yeah, no, mouthy as well. But Brad Hardy is your is your legendary twerp. I mean, he took off his jumper and he waved it at the fucking coach. And he's, yeah, he was a bit of a mouth for hire afterwards. And he's always had a controversial... T- One of the best blokes going around, Brad Hardy. I fucking love him. But he's he probably fits into the twerp. Uh, and finally, the Gold Coast Suns. Carmichael Hunt. <laughs> See their biggest twerp? I don't know. Who's the biggest twerp that played for them? There's had no one really that you can think of being like that antagonistic Hayden Ballantyne type player, can you? No. I mean, yeah, I mean, Carmichael Hunt just for the sake of, you know, the the drug bust and the, the big payday. You know, yeah, well, that's just, I, I imagine. But he seemed kind of like, he didn't come out in the media and say stuff and because he, he knew to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> but, oh, you know who it is? Who? Tony Cochran. <laughs> Perfect. 
Uh, okay, uh, that was uh, Two Guys, One Cup. Um, we'll be coming back probably in a couple of weeks. Fill up the mailbag. If you're a AFL professional and you want to contact us and let us know you listen to the show, you can email us at twoguysonecupafl at gmail.com. That's the number two, the letter one, two guys, one cup at afl at gmail.com. Uh, play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one cup.